Welcome, everybody, back to the latest episode of Dog Backwards, where we look at life, culture, and theology from a different angle. This is a special episode. This is an unplanned, impromptu episode. We had just finished a podcast that I will put up later on this week with Peggy Nunley and Walker Moore talking about why there are no more missionaries. And as we began to talk, we, uh, my father remembered that, uh, not that we had forgotten, but we mentioned that today is September 11th, and we thought we might have a conversation about where we were, how that day impacted us, and this is important for several reasons. One, it's always good to remember those who gave their life so that uh, they could help as many people as possible, and for those that were lost in this incredible tragedy, but also because there's an entire generation who doesn't understand. They've seen pictures, they've read about it in schools, but they weren't there. So it's the same reason why I like to sit down with those who maybe have served in the Korean War or even World War II whenever you get a chance and just to listen because they bring an air of wisdom about them that only comes from that experience. So that being said, I have with me once again Peggy Nunley and Walker Moore. Walker is my father and the former president of All Star Ministries, a mission organization that took students overseas for many years. And with him is Peggy Nunley, who is currently the president of All Star Ministries, and she is in the job of taking students overseas to do mission works and disciple and teach them evangelism. So you can find all about them through the website allstar.org. That being said, I think I'm stalling because I don't really want to talk about September 11th that much. I'm sure we're all going to kind of share our stories about how that day impacted us. I... uh, I'm pretty sure, I know I was home at uh, the house I grew up in, which my parents sold years ago, and I was on the couch just watching TV. It was the middle of the afternoon. It was before I was uh, a devout believer. I was most likely stoned and uh, just sat there for the whole day trying to figure out what was going on in the world because suddenly the world I recognized I no longer recognized anymore. We had uh, had the Gulf War and a few things like that. I had never known anybody who had died. I had uh, in a tragedy like this or in a war thing, but terrorism had never entered into the U.S. in a way that it did that day. So, um, Walker, why don't you start and just tell me a little bit about where you were and how that day impacted you. Well, we were at home watching the first plane when it hit the Twin Towers and we just couldn't believe it. We're in shock. In fact, everybody walked around in shock. It was just a numbing thing. And then we went to the office and our staff and Peggy was on our staff back then. And we huddled into the little conference, not conference room, into a copy room. And we had a little bitty, like a 12 inch black and white TV set. And we sat there. We didn't have cable or anything. We just had an antenna stuck up in the air. And we got one station. And we're watching. And we saw the second plane hit the tower. And at first we thought it was a uh, rerun, you know, how they showed over and over again. But there was screaming, yelling going on over the, over the television. A second plane, a second plane has hit. And then we heard the news that uh, they had grounded all the airplanes that President uh, Bush come on and ordered every airplane to be grounded in the United States. And all of a sudden we realized that people are flying 
from one destination to another would be forced to land in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So uh, I'm sitting there for a second, and all of a sudden, it's just like the Lord spoke to me, you know, that I need to go out in the airport and handle all the people coming off the airplane. So I told Peggy and her staff, I said, get on the uh, state fair chaplain shirt. Now, I have to tell you, these are the ugliest shirt you've ever seen in your life. Amen. It had a big Ferris wheel on it. I mean, it was just gaudy. I don't even know how to describe it. And I think they were maroon, weren't they? they maroon, were. maroon. And uh, then they had a big word chaplain across the top of it. But I had our whole staff, and here's uh, Susanna had on this beautiful little dress, and she put on this polo shirt over the top of it. And we got in the van, we drove to the airport. When we pulled in, we, there's policemen all out in front, all the policemen out there. And I knew some of the policemen from being a chaplain in the police department here in Tulsa. So I walked up to the guy in charge. I said, I've been sent out here to take care of all the people that's been forced to land here at the airport. So he got on the radio, said the chaplains are here, and he told everybody. And we had free access to the airport, and we went back to every gate. And people coming off the airplane did not know because they didn't have uh radios on they didn't have any i mean you're on a plane you don't have much access to outside of the airplane there so they're getting off don't know why they're in tulsa uh there were many of them there was i mean they're on their way to destinations uh to weddings there was two ladies on their way to be married in the uh uh temple in uh salt lake city utah and they missed their weddings and these people all had uh uh Different places are supposed to be, vacation, planes to catch, and all of a sudden they're all stuck in Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we began to minister to them. Our statues took up the airport. We went gate to gate. Every time a plane landed, we started helping people find uh, rental cars. Uh, there was one that uh, a young boy got off, and he was uh, uh, mentally uh, handicapped. And he, somebody supposed to pick him up on the other in a direct flight. Mm. So he didn't have to get off. And all of a sudden he found himself standing there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so we called uh, some friends of ours who deal with uh, special need children, and she took him in. And so we started finding homes and places and uh, help, help people get car rentals and hotels. And we stood there handling every airplane until they closed the airport. Our staff was the last one. As we walked out, they closed the gate down, closed down the Tulsa airport. And I know Peggy had a number of interesting encounters that day. I remember, I remember that mom said that you had gone to the airport. Um, it felt like a movie in a lot of ways. You know, I had seen enough action movies that when you watch it on the screen, maybe I'm a little desensitized from all of that. But even though we're desensitized, you still have a hard time putting into words what the atmosphere was because people would just walk outside the front of their house to look to see if anybody else is watching this. Like, cause in, in many ways you felt very alone and very vulnerable as you're watching what two most iconic buildings in the U S crumble to the ground. And there's, there's no precedence before this. So you don't know what's going to happen after this. What is our response? We don't know. Now we know what terror attacks are and we know what we do afterwards. But all of a sudden, and one of the things that was unique to this time is Republicans and Democrats came together in a very unique way. And we saw what happens when the government does what it does best is take care of its people. And there was just a sense of unity. And all of a sudden, everybody was an American. Uh, Israel is one of the the only place outside the U.S. that has a 9-11 memorial. 
And at that time, many people felt they, they felt American. If they even if they didn't grow up here, they felt like they were Americans. And the illusion that we were invincible was gone. And now I think there is a great sense of vulnerability. We see it in the schools. Now everybody knows how vulnerable they are. There's school shootings. There's stuff on the news all the time. But we had felt pretty invincible for a really long time. Nothing ever breached our shores in that manner. And all of a sudden we find ourselves twirling in the wind. Um, how, how do you, Peggy, tell me about where you, well, you were with him and what was your remembrance of that? What comes to mind? Yeah. So, um, I remember I had gone to breakfast with a friend that morning and, um, in the middle of breakfast, you know, the TV was on and all of a sudden the news came on and the first tower had been hit. And there was just this sense of unbelief, shock. And I left that, went straight to the office and Walker had, you know, we were gathered around watching everything kind of unfold. And I think for us, it was something that, you know, in the shock, in the chaos, in the disbelief, there was a part of us that said, we want to do something. And I think we saw that come across the United States with a lot of people. I think everyone just wanted to, they wanted to do something to give back when they saw so much being taken. And so for us to be at the airport that day was such a blessing for us to be able to serve, to pray with people. You know, people were confused. People were fearful. Um, There was just a lot, just a sense of confusion like I've never seen before. And being able to stop and just simply offer you know, kindness, but in the name of Jesus and, and be able to pray with people and to say, listen, there is still hope. There is still purpose. You know, God is still in control, even though it feels like, you know, the, the enemy is, you know, conquering, Mm -hmm. God is still going to be faithful. And, and we can trust that that hope is real and that it's going to continue to reign as we put our trust in Christ. I have, I have a good friend, a dear, dear friend of mine who gave his life back to Christ after 9-11. And that was a pivotal moment in his life because he had had a good business. He had gone to church, but he was not devout by any means. But then all of a sudden there's that awareness that control is an illusion. And people who know this well are people who have a loved one or then themselves have had cancer where you feel like you got your life mapped out for the next five years then you get some phone call on a Tuesday morning and there's been an accident or somebody's sick and the prognosis is not good. All of a sudden, in those moments, those vulnerable moments, you realize that control is an illusion. And so the only thing we can do is point to the one who is in control. That being said, there's also a lot of people who lost faith because of 9-11. How could God allow this to happen? Now, we've been shielded from those questions for a long time because we're the prosperous United States of America, right? Those who live in war-torn areas that are believers, they've asked those questions a long time ago and they've moved on. But for many people, that's a new question to ask. Why, why would God allow this to happen? And how do we respond to that? Well, I think that the first thing that we have to remind people is that we live in a fallen world. And you know, tragedies happen every day. It just may not, we may not see it. You know, all around us, the world has fallen. You know, the, the Bible says that the, um, uh, that Satan himself is the, the God of the air, that he is the one that is, um, 
instituting things all the time to create chaos. Um, his plan is to kill, steal, and destroy is what the scriptures say. And so when, when I talk with people that, that are looking at life and saying, why is God allowing something bad to happen to me? You know, I, the first thing I have to do is remind them that, yes, God is absolutely in control. You know, nothing, there's not, a, there's not an emergency meeting happening in heaven over the crisis that we're facing in this moment. But the truth is, is that, that God is sufficient, that his grace will be there. Um, the Bible doesn't promise us that we will not have trouble. The Bible doesn't promise us that in this life that it'll be easy. In fact, there's probably a, a lot more promises that, that we're going to endure a lot of things because we live in a fallen world. And so sin affects everybody. You know, the sin that happened on 9-11 just happened to affect, impact the entire world, especially the United States and American citizens. Um, so I think that, that in moments like that, we bring people back to the hope of who Jesus is. Jesus came to reconcile us back to God so that when we are in moments of, of, of walking through a fallen world, that we can have hope in those moments, that we can have peace. We can have, you know, the Bible describes God as the God of all comforts that comforts us in our affliction. And so we are not alone. We're not forsaken in those times. Um, but the truth is, Bad things do happen to good people. The truth is, is that, you know, Christians and non-Christians alike live under the subjection of, of a sinful world. And the question is, is that who do you turn to when you find yourself in the middle of one of those crises? You know, where do you go? I mean, I think we have choices in those those places. You know, I look back at, at my own personal past, you know, of how I was raised and I was in foster care for a while. I was sexually abused by my father. You know, I could look and I could blame a lot of people for that. And I could say, you know, and, and be angry at the world, be angry at my family, be angry at these people that did these things to me. Or I can look at that and say, you know, none of this was God's plan. None of this is what he purposed over my life. But because of, of, of living in a fallen world, living with sinful people, you know, sin, your sin, my sin, it affects everyone. You know, our sin doesn't just personally affect us. It affects the people around us. And so other people can inflict that sin upon you. Yeah. And so at an early age, I learned to turn to Jesus in the middle of that, to find comfort and hope in him and to find the strength to be able to overcome. And I think that, that all of us, you know, in moments like that, it just becomes reality that we live in a fallen world. And it also probably is more of a truth test inside of us to what do we really believe? Who do we really turn to when life feels like it's falling apart? Yeah, you don't keep sin to yourself. Sin bleeds out, flows out onto everything around you. And this is one of the things the gospel so good about it because the gospel flows out into those around you. So if you're in sin, it's going to damage relationships. Their sin happened to be so great that it damaged the relationships of total strangers surrounding all of them. Uh, Walker, do you have anything to add to that? Well, not so much as that. One of the things that happened is that uh, they progress, you know, uh, nobody else came out to the airport to help, uh, you know, we saw this as an opportunity when crises do happen, things do go south. Believers need to rise up and to engage in the hurts of the world. And those people getting off that day, absolutely. They, there was no flights. You know, you couldn't wait for another flight. It, the airports was closed down 
permanently at that point, you know, mm-hmm. until they figured out what was going on. And it was a while before they ever, so they had no way of getting out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, it's a nice place, but I don't know. I want to be stuck here yeah. <laughs> on the way somewhere else. Uh, but uh, as we came out of the airport, got in the van, uh, Susanna, one of our staff, asked me, because uh, I said to the policeman, we have been sent out here to take over the airport of all the people coming in. She, she said, but they never ask you who sent you. Mm-hmm. And she said, what would you have said? I said, all I could say was God. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Yeah. You know, so, and I believe we need to be open in our own hearts that when the world do go to hell in a handbasket, that believers rise up. And we have somebody that tells us to go. Now, the downside of the uh, 9-11 is next year, missions went down 90%. There was many organizations like All Star, and they all basically all have gone out of business. And uh, and one of the greatest attack on 9/11 was not the Twin Towers; it was upon the mission efforts of God across the world. And we've not recovered from that yet. That year, the year before 9/11, we had 300 students go one summer. The next year, we had I think 19 that went. So there, we, yeah, it's really interesting that you bring that up. That the world looks at an attack like this and purely a physical attack and somebody who's a believer would would look and say no great act of evil is just physical there's a spiritual aspect mm-hmm. to it and though many people's faith was disrupted because of this event also god took something like that and brought a lot of people to him churches were filled and i mean churches were filled people because the world that has promised answers had no answers. The, the, the responses I saw from a world perspective, there were conspiracy theories, which still run rampant today about 9-11, that this inside job and all this stuff. And I, I was even prey to that at one point because you watch too many documentaries on YouTube and you start to think weird ways. Your own algorithm gets changed. Um, and then there was the blame game of whose fault is this? And we're starting, you know, we blame individuals, we blamed entire religions, we blamed entire nations. And the world only wars in one way, wars physically. And we believe there's a physical war for sure, but our battle is not in flesh and blood, our battle is of the spirit. So I think the response that you have is incredible that when there is catastrophe, you run in with hope and truth. Because that's not the, the world, like their truth has dissolved at that moment. Their whole structure that they've built up where it's chasing the nuclear family, 2.5 kids, white picket fence. And as long as you do that, everything will work out. Well, the lies get exposed in tragedy. So I think that's fascinating that more Christians should respond to tragedy in a very aggressive way of being just as aggressive as the terrorists, but we're aggressive with a different message. That peace, peace is found in Jesus and Christ alone, so that there is joy there. I I would be remiss if I didn't at least point out that I often use this when teaching about the reliability of the Gospels and the disciples, because it's actually not that unusual for people to die for their faith. When, When you create a system that these terrorists believed in, that were in control of these planes, the, the scale in radical Islamic faith. You only go to be with God if you've been good enough. 
but everybody knows that their heart is not good enough. There is a deep truth that is seeped within all of us. So they will do anything to guarantee their salvation. They, they will go to extremes if someone tells them, hey, as long as you do this, then you won't have to worry about where you go. Well, it's, it's, it's basically buying your way out of hell if you do one act. Well, of course, they're very willing to do that act then because for them, there was no other hope. This is why it's so important that we always communicate that the gospel is free, that it is free, gift freely given. And although people die for their faith all the time because we talk about the disciples die for their faith, there's a radical difference. Those who flew planes into the Twin Towers died for what they hoped they would see, right? They, they hope they're going to be greeted by these virgins and all of this that goes on. The disciples died for what they had seen. So everybody else in the religion always dies for what they hope to see. I hope to be greeted by this. I hope to see this. The disciples of the early church died for what they had seen, and that's a radical difference. So we carry on that same steadfastness and optimism that we are not dying for something that we hope for. We're dying for something that is a reality, and um, we can be certain of our faith. So we never have to go to these extremes to try to guarantee our position. The extreme was gone to by Jesus. What are any other thoughts on this day? I just wanted to say that um, I remembered as we were sitting here is that one of the um, newspapers that I picked up that day, um, or really the next day on the 12th, was um, the headline said, government doors have closed and the church door has opened. And I think that when I saw that, I, I remember just kind of ingraining that in my mind and thinking, what has God done? What has God allowed to happen through this tragedy? What is he doing that we can't see? And I think that's the point that you were just making, you know, that there is a, a supernatural side to everything that happens. And if we can see through the lens of the gospel, then we can see that um, it's opportunities for us to be able to expand the gospel to places that maybe would have, it would have never reached. Mm -hmm. So the world was very afraid and everybody was thought, what's next? This is wave one. And I love the fact that there is no fear in love that I do not ever need to be afraid. It's like my son, Cohen, who is three. He is not afraid of snakes. He's not afraid of frogs. He is not afraid of trying to do backflips off the bunk bed. Like he's fearless. But every night before we go to bed, he asks me, dad, can wolves get into our house? Because he's afraid of the unseen. He's afraid of his imagination. We as Christians, we take every thought captive and we recognize that there is no fear in love. I do not need to be afraid. The most given command in scripture, do not be afraid. So we are not afraid of the world. And so that is why when bad things happen, we don't respond with fear. We have the capacity and the ability to respond with love. The greatest example of that was all those first responders who put their boots on and said, let's roll. It didn't matter the situation. It didn't matter this is the kind of missionaries that God is calling Christians to be, where we just say, let's roll. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for just sharing your thoughts on that. If you have anything that you want to share, I'm going to post this today on 9-11, so I hope you get a chance to listen to it today and that we reflect. We pray for those families who have lost loved ones. There are still those who are suffering great illnesses because of their desire to help and to respond. Those who went in, um, and many of them did not come out Every single fire department in New York lost at least one person. And it's facts like that that are incredible. So it's a very sober, reminding thing to do. 
and reminds us that we put our hope in Christ. Guys, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. God bless.